Nehemiah last week let us know that he was just an ordinary person. He wasn't no prophet. He was no priest. He was no king. He was just an ordinary person who served at the beck and call of King Artaxerxes. He was the cupbearer. He was the one that got the taste and drink of the king's food to make sure that everything was all right. And he had direct access to the king. We talk about his positioning was that many people try to use him to get close to the king. You know, and sometimes when people think that you have access to somebody, they think that if they get close to you because you're close to them, that they can get closer to the person they want to get close to. And that's many times what, what, what uh, Nehemiah was p- positioned there for a purpose and for a reason. We talked about that. That's why Nehemiah, as, you go, as we go through the book, and we probably won't go through the whole book, but as we look through the book, Nehemiah was strategically placed by God to be there in Susa and the palace and the citadel because he was the one that God was going to use to bring about a revival even within the nation of Israel. But yet still he classified himself as an ordinary person. Our challenge for us today is this. We all are ordinary people, but God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. So if we're saying we're waiting for a revival, maybe the revival needs to start with us, me, myself, and I as an individual. And if I'm revived, then others might be revived. I can't wait for you to be revived. I need a revival for myself. Amen? And if all of us are revived, Coals meeting coals, the heat from one will go to the other. Then the next thing you know, we have a great blaze of fire going up before God because why? We have our hearts and minds revive. The songwriter said, Revive us what? Again. Amen. So here in, in, in chapter 1, verses 4 through 11, we have Nehemiah's prayer. Amen. Nehemiah's prayer. He got word from his brother. Listen, let me tell you something, brother. He says, the, the, the condition of the walls and the condition of the city is in very bad shape. We were captured. We were taken captive. And some have escaped. And when we went back to our home city, to our homeland, we find everything burned out, destroyed. And in these next few verses, we find out that Nehemiah's heart was heavy. In verse 4, you have it because we have Nehemiah's response to what he had heard. He reports the report of his brother. He sat down and he wept and he mourned. And he said, not just for a moment, but he did it for, for some days. He fasted and he prayed. When Nehemiah heard the, from his brother what was going on back at the, at the city of Jerusalem with the walls and all that, he had to sit down. Have you ever had bad news and it just rocked you so that you had to sit down? He not only sat down, but he wept because he understood this was supposed to be God's place for God's people. And because of sin and disobedience, it wasn't where it should be. He sat down, he wept, and, and, and he mourned over what had taken place. And he didn't just do it just for that moment. He did it for some days. And he did it by two things, which would do us well. One we're trying to make a practice in our church right now is by praying. When you and I can't do anything, the only thing sometimes we can't do is what? Pray. When somebody comes up to you and says, hey, I've got all kinds of things going on in my life, and this and that and the other, there's sometimes you just got to say, you know what, I really can't help you, but what I can do is I can pray for you. Amen? And you can either do it at that moment or you can do it sometime later on. Now somebody, If you're around somebody and they say, hey, man, you know, I've got this going on, got that going on, 
There's nothing wrong. It's okay to say, I'll pray for you. But what would be wrong in saying, you know what? Amen. We're going to pray right now. Right now. We're standing right in the middle of Kroger's. We're standing right in the middle of Walmart. We're standing right in the middle of, of one of those halls and places at the college. Man, you know what? I just, my wife was just diagnosed with cancer. Would you pray for me? Hey, you know what? We're going to pray right now. Father God, you're such a great God. And I'm coming on behalf of my friend, Jim. And, and he just told me his wife's got cancer. And I just want to lift her up to you. Strengthen her. Touch her body. If it be your will, strengthen her that she might recover from this and draw him and all his family closer together. And may they come to know you. If they already don't know you. But the, they come to know you today. Because they're going to see you working power in their life. And there's nobody that can do it but you. I thank you for Jim. I thank you for what you're going to do in his life. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. God bless you. And you go about your journey. You don't know what that could do to them or anybody else. Because people be walking by like, why are they praying? Because let me tell you something. When people are in trouble and they know that you're a believer, they come knocking at your door. Why do they knock at your door, Sister Seagrave? Brother Milt, anybody else in here? Why do they knock at your door? Because they think and believe you know God. And you have access to who God is. And if you don't, not only do you don't, but they, you, know, you go to a church. And they hear you every now and then say, you know, I got, I got to go. I got Bible study and prayer service tonight. Hey, would you pray for me? There's power in prayer. That's one way to witness among other ways. Amen? Amen. So he, he prayed, but he also fasted. And we don't like, we, 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 some of us could lose, could stay fasting. Stay away from some food for a while. I know it's hard for us. We like to eat. Fasting could be a temporary stay of anything that you might enjoy doing. You decide that you're not going to do without for a certain amount of time or days. And since we all like to eat, maybe one of the things we could do better at is say, you know what? From Sunday to Wednesday, I'm going to, fa- I'm going to do nothing but fast and pray. I can remember we did that at our church at, under Pastor Harris. And he said, in case you have to eat something or drink something, take a little water with some lemon juice in it. And you should have seen people's faces. Water and lemon juice? I got three days, that's all I could do? You'd be surprised what that does. Because when you have to fast and the temptation of, and people are, are cruel because they know you like certain foods, they will come by you with these certain foods if you're, if, you're the, if you're the woman of the house or man of the house, so I can't say just one or the other, and you're the one that has to do the cooking, oh, that's a tough thing. Oh, fried chicken. Oh, lasagna. <laughs> but you're fasting. Lord, help me not to help me, Jesus, help me. In the process, God helps you become stronger so that, but then you know how we are. We have every intention of not, but we slip up sometimes. God in his graciousness and his mercy says, uh-huh, I saw you sneak that little piece of, that, that little leg of chicken, that little wing that you thought nobody else saw. I saw you take a bite of that apple pie that nobody else, yeah. But he fasted and he prayed. Why? Because he heard what was going on back at the city and he wanted 
to draw closer to God. So Nehemiah's response was he fasted and prayed for some amount of days. But Nehemiah also worshiped God. Because he talks about it in verse 5, he says, God, you're great and awesome. I don't know about you, but the God I serve, the God I know is great, and God is awesome. He says, God, you're great and awesome. Not only that, but you keep your covenants. Those things that you have promised in your word, I know because as time has passed, you've kept your covenant. You've kept your promises. Those things that you have made out to agree with us through various covenants, I've seen it for myself. You've kept those things. Your steadfast love with those who love you and keep his commandments. It's specifically designed for those who love him and those who keep his commandments. Some, most of God's promises are directed to God's people. If you love him, not love in a generic sense, but love him because he's God, and here's the key, keep his commandments. Now, somebody might say, I love God, but do you have the other part of the equation? Do you keep his commandments? A lot of people will tell you, I love God. But on the other side of the coin is, do you keep his commandments? Do you honor his word? Are you obedient to the things of Christ? It's not one and or, it's both together. And that's what many people mess up. I love Jesus. Well, that's wonderful, baby. But are you following Jesus and keeping his word? If you're not, your love really doesn't mean a whole lot. Because you got to do both together. Who love him and keep his commandments. Is that not what he says in, in verse number five? He talks about all that. He says, and I, he talks about, and I said, O Lord God of heaven, great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive, your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant. Not that God, he, he's using a, a term, not that God doesn't hear and God doesn't see because we know God does. He's just drawing attention to the fact, listen, the same God we want you to hear and we want you to see the prayer of your servant in the person of Nehemiah and all those other servants who praise both day and night in behalf of the people. Amen? Are you praying in behalf of others? Or are your and my prayers always centered on us? Bless me, bless mine, bless this, bless me, bless my, bless my daughter, bless my son, bless me, bless my. No, no, be other-centered. There's more to the world than just you and your circumstances. I know that's what we focus a lot of our attention on is our own problems. But we ought to be focusing on others. For when we focus on others, that helps us solve our problems. Because you know the old adage, we're more alike than we are different. Some of us think that our problem is unique to us. No, it's not. The same problems you have in your life, other people have had or will have. Amen? And what happens is God uses whatever circumstances you may have gone through or are going through to help you tell somebody else it's going to be all right. Trust God. I know what it's like not to have a job, but I was there. I can tell you. I don't know what, but God will bless you. I know what it's like when you go to the hospital, you go to the doctor, and they give you bad news. But guess what? I've been there, but guess what? God brought me through. And I can tell you, not because I'm in some hypothetical pie-in-the-sky belief, but I know God has brought me through. Brother Tony can talk about I went to the doctor one day. And thought I was going to go home, and they told me, oh, no, you got to go to the doctor. You got to get to the hospital today. You got a problem. You got an issue. And he watched God work in his life and through his life to raise him and bring him through a surgery that not many people make it through. And he told me that, Pastor, I didn't feel anything. I was like, oh, yeah, this is 
All right. You know, they're like, well, wait a minute. People who go through, you're not supposed to be just acting like you just took a stroll around the park. You should feel some soreness, some pain. I had a little discomfort, but oh, no, God brought me through. I had a little flap over my heart that if it was in the right, wrong place at the wrong time, I could have dropped dead. But thanks be to God, I went to the doctor, and the doctor said to me, oh, no, you're going today. Who is that? Nobody but God. Amen? That's what I'm talking about. If God could do that for him and whatever he's done for you in your life, why is it we come in on a Sunday morning and don't want to give God the praise? Amen? We ought to be of all people bouncing off the walls and, Jesus, you've been so good. Some of us are struggling, don't even know we're struggling. I think think it was a problem. Pastor, you talk about pain. I have never suffered. Maybe you don't know what suffering is. Maybe you don't know what pain is. Maybe you don't know what it's like when you're a little child, Sharice, and other mamas in here. The, something happens to them. And you're up at the midnight hour, burning up with 102, 103 temperature, collapsing or falls, get hurt. And you know, the only thing you can do is rush them to the doctor. And you're praying that the doctor has enough sense to do the right thing. Now, if your kids are sometimes like mine, we would rush to children's hospital. We would rush to children's urgent care. And by the time they were near death when we left Wilmington, when we get to the doctor, they want to act like they're revived again. And I told them, oh, no, you don't. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. I got to go to work in a few hours. And guess what? We came up here. You're going to be sick. Don't play with the little fishies in the aquarium. Oh, they got toys. No, you're sick. Amen? Get me up and keep me up all morning and night worried about you, praying over you, and then you want to act like, oh, no, you're sick. (laughs) Who does that but God? Because when the child gets better, your only hope and your only confession is, thank you, Lord, that it wasn't any more serious than it was. And they go bouncing off as if nothing ever happened. That's God. Not nobody but God. Amen? He says, listen, listen, listen. Those who, they're confessing their sins. And they want to know that those things that they've done, that you aren't going to hold those against them. And none of those says, Nehemiah includes himself in the prayer. He doesn't say, those people out there who have sinned and all those other folks. No. He says, me and my father's house. We have sinned against you, O God. See, it ain't about, you know, we're good at throwing at other people. They ain't me. Oh, no, that's, that, that's them folks down there. That's the church folks. That's that church. That's that pastor. Oh, no, no. It's all of us. I, we, you all, we all, us, whatever you want to call it, we all have sinned against God. Amen. Verse number seven. Brings out the point. He says, we acted very corruptly against you, have not kept your commandments. Hey, let's be honest. We haven't done everything God wants us to do. We have not kept his commandments or his statutes. God says do certain things. We don't want to do it. We have elected not to do. Thou shalt have no other false gods before me. Oh, well, we got all kind of false gods. 
We serve the God of football. We serve the God of baseball. We serve the God of basketball. We serve the God of, of, of going fishing. We serve the God of running to the mall. We serve the God of going to the, to the flea market. We serve the, whatever God we serve. We do everything that we, we ought to do. Amen? We don't keep your word. We don't keep your commandments. And we don't do your statutes. Thou shalt not kill. Well, we're killing all the time. We talk about folks behind their back every single day. You know how to pull a trigger. You know how to stab him in the heart. You know how to shoot him with a harpoon. Just start talking about folks. Man, I tell you what, I don't like that. I don't like him at all. I tell you, I don't even know what he's doing. I have no clue what he's about. Oh, I wish he would die. I wish they just dropped dead and get out of here. Yeah, come on now. Let's be real. Some of us, we got mouths. We, we chirping in little sidewalk, sidebar conversations. See, it's quiet in here. I must be hitting something. If it wasn't true, you would say, amen, pastor. Amen. The statutes and the rules that you commanded, your servant. Moses laid this down, and we don't even want to do what Moses said. Jesus laid it down. We didn't even want to follow. If they didn't follow Moses, what makes you and I think they're going to follow? We're going to follow Jesus. Somebody said, well, if Jesus was here, I would. No, you wouldn't. If he, Jesus himself, he was here. And people still didn't do right, and they ultimately took him to the cross and killed him. God in the flesh. You're telling me that if Jesus was alive today, you would act better? You would be better? That's a lie from the pit of hell. So how can you say that with such authority? Because he was here. The light was among us. He dwells in us, and we still don't do what God wants us to do. They didn't do it then, and we won't do it now. Why? Because we are sinful, vile, dirty creatures. And everything about God, we repel back a less. God quickens you by the power of his Holy Spirit. And then by the Spirit of God in us, allows us to want to be attracted to the light that's in him. But without that, you have no, you have no means. And I have no means of being attracted to the things of God. The reason why the world is in total rebellion against God, because they don't have the Spirit of God. Why are you surprised by that? What makes you think people are going to do right? They're going to do everything wrong without the Spirit of God. That's even in the church. For without the Spirit of God, you cannot do this. And the reason why people don't do it, maybe, maybe, because they don't have the Spirit of God in them. He says, they acted corruptly. He says, remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you. Listen, there are consequences to our sin. God said, listen, if you're not obedient to me, I will scatter you. And he did. All those various nations, the Babylonians, the Persians, all those came in, and they're now scattered throughout the four quarters of the earth. But Nehemiah says, God, and when I think of, catch this, even though all this is happening, Nehemiah is worshiping God even in his present circumstance. Catch, did you catch what I said? Even though he's admitting all this about the people and what they did not do, yet Nehemiah is worshiping God in his present circumstance. That's what we need to do. We need to worship God in our present circumstance. Kids and everybody acting up, doing wife acting up, husband acting up, church acting up, members acting up, lost my job, don't know what I'm going to do, have this, have that, whatever it is going on. But yet and still, guess what? I'm going to worship God. Worthy is the Lamb of God that was slain for the foul. He's worthy of that. He never told us it was going to be easy. He never said it was going to be a cakewalk to walk the Christian life. 
they hated me, guess what? They're going to hate you. No cross. No crown. What's the cross you have to bear? Maybe the cross you and I have to bear is this. There are some things that we might want to do that we got to honestly evaluate ourselves and say, God, I have to be honest with you. I put other things first in my life before I put you. I'm not willing to carry the cross and be a witness for you. I'm not willing to say no to a lot of activities that I'm involved in because I want to make you and your church first place and priority in my life. You said if I serve you all these other things, you would add unto me. What I've done is I want to serve the other things and then want you to come along as a secondary part of it. Put me first. Let me have preeminence. Let me have first place. I know you need money. I know you got to feed your children, but put me first. Okay, I got to work on something. Well, I have the option. I don't have to, but I'm going to because I need the money. You know what? You need God. And God will give you the money to make up for you doing what he wants you to do first. People don't want to think like that. And when I say that, I get a lot of eyes rolling like, there he goes again. I shared with my wife. Yesterday we were sitting at home. We were watching a couple movies. We like to, we tape the old Hallmark movies. So I get to watch all these romantic movies with people falling in love and out of love and back in love again. You know. But I said, you know what? We got talking about some stuff. And she put the movie on pause. You know, we got DVR. You can do a lot of that. You know, you just pause and pick it back up. I said, I was laying in bed the other night and I was thinking. I said, I don't understand. I said, when I say some of this, I get the looks of what I get like on Wednesday night sometimes. People look at me like, well, that's not us. But it is us. We went through the autopsy of the church. And I'm not making an excuse because there is no excuse. But you got to be realistic to understand this. I'm asking God to help me and us to understand that the world is different today than it was in 1975, 76, 80s, and 90s. Okay? Church don't mean nothing to a whole lot of people anymore. Church may not mean much to you in this room right here. Not really. Not like it did when I was younger and I was coming through. When I come through, church was first place. It was it. Your whole life was rooted, grounded in being in the church, being in Christ, and doing things in the church. There wasn't all this other outside stuff grabbing your attention. And if there was, that took second, third, fourth, fifth place. But the church, the program of God, my relationship to Christ was preeminent in everything I said. And to the point, I know I'm right, to the point that there were people in the church that had promotions on their job. There were people in the church that said, hey, you know what? I have the opportunity to move over here to another place geographically. But because of their love for Christ in the church that they were a part of, they said, no. I can go on another ship. I can do another thing. But that's going to interfere with my ability to be at the church doing the things of God. I can't do it. We ain't there no more. No, we're no far from it. Any little excuse we have to get outside of the church, we take it. That's where we are. People don't come to church 
because they have a hunger and a burning desire. I've watched people who have come, and then they go, and I ask the question, what happened? Why are they coming back? Somebody said, well, it's you. If you would be more excited, if you would be more preach better, then people would stay. Maybe that's right, but I think some of it is on you. Amen. Amen, lights and walls. Because the attractiveness of the church is about all of us. It is. You're not excited to be here. What? If you don't like to be here, then why are you here? Come on. You come out of, out of necessity? You come because I'm a, I'm a pastor, I'm an elder, I'm a, I'm a secretary, I'm a this. Is that the reason why you come? For, 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 for not being that, you wouldn't be here. Oh, okay. Do you not think people are smart enough to realize? Because they hear you talking at home. They hear you talking in these sidebar conversations. They hear you with them. They watch you. Like you watch me, they watch you. You know, you ain't smart. Whoa, 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 whoa. You don't like him, but you go. You don't like her, but you're around him. Something's wrong. I ain't even a Christian. I, you know, in the world, they may not like each other, but they at least tolerate one another. Two drunkards sitting in a bar don't know, know each other from Adam, but they will share the same bottle. <laughs> to the church, the Bible says love one another. The Bible says be, be patient with one another. The Bible talks about have, have the brotherly type of love one for another. And there are folks camouflage saying, we love you. They ought not to be in the house of God. Amen. I respect the world for this. If they don't like you, they ain't going to be bothered with you. I have no respect for anybody in the church. That if, you, if you're not mad when enough to say what you need to say and be honest and then say, Lord, this is where I'm at, then I, no. And we wonder why people are bypassing the church. Well, they look at us. They have a word they call hypocrites. That's just putting on a mask. We're acting a part. God doesn't want actors. He wants people to be real. He wants us to be honest and, and, and authentic in what we say and do. If I say I love Jesus, then I need to love Jesus to the full extent of my heart. If I say he's the Lord of my life, I need to allow him to be Lord of my life. I do nothing without Jesus being first place in my life. Ahead of my wife, ahead of my kids, and ahead of you. He says, we're your servants. Verse, verse number 10. God, I want you to recognize something. That's what Nehemiah is praying. This is, a, this is a powerful prayer. Nehemiah says, I want you to recognize that, number one, they are your servants and your people. We are God's servants and God's people. God wants to do a great work with us, but he can't do it when we got all this other stuff going on. Amen. God's been faithful. He's been faithful to us. He's brought, he, what, he's, what Nehemiah is trying to say is, when we look at God's faith, what was God's faith? Remember back in Egypt when you delivered God, God, you delivered us? You caused the plagues to come in. They released us out of Egypt. We got to the Red Sea. You delivered us. You said we ultimately would be in the promised land, and we got there. God, you've been faithful in everything you said. And look how we repay God by our disobedience. He says, you redeemed us by your great power and strong hand. That's what he's talking about. What he brought them through. I just said, your great power, only the power of God could turn the heart of Pharaoh 
and ultimately Pharaoh turned his heart back the wrong way, and God dealt with him from that day forward. But God's great power and God's strong hand brought them through. Verse 11, Nehemiah says, Oh, Lord, let your ear be attentive. Again, he said, God, hear me. Not that God didn't, because God always hears. But he said, I want you to pay special attention. God, really listen to what I'm trying to tell you here. Let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant. I'm your servant, Lord. He's just an ordinary man. He wasn't a prophet or a priest. He's just an ordinary guy. He says, hear the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name. Do you fear God? Oh, I do. Not that I'm afraid, my knees shaking and all that. No, that's not the kind of fear he's talking about. I had that what's called reverential fear that honors God for who he is. I would be, I would, I don't know how some of us can do it. I don't know how you cannot have the fear of God that if you say you are saved, blood bought, saved by the plowshares of the gospel, know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. I don't know how you cannot want to serve him. Fear and trembling would come over me because whatever ability or talent God has given you, if you're not using it to his glory, God can very easily take that away from you. I look across the spectrum of our church membership and I ask the question, what are you doing? What is it that you do for God that's a part of this church. I can't answer that for you. You got to. What is it that you bring? Why did God save you? Why are you here? And what are you doing for the kingdom of God at 225 Randolph Street? Outside of coming on a Sunday or maybe a Wednesday or whatever. That's, that's, a, that's You're supposed to do that. But God didn't save you or I to be here to not to use whatever gifts or talent he has and not be doing kingdom business here at 225 Randolph Street. You're right now in Wilmington, Ohio. My mind went to when I was preparing this, my mind went to Pastor Bill. Whatever Jesus did, he did it what? In public. Amen. He went to the cross. He did it in public. What is it that you're doing in public for God? They pierce him in his side in public. What are you doing for God? In public. They dropped him in a hole thinking that if they forgot, he said, if I be raised up, I will what? Draw all men unto me. They did it where? In public. What are you doing for God? In public. Oh, okay. I conclude on this point. He says, Oh, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayers of your servants who delight to fear your name. I I have a reverential fear for God. If God just said drop dead right now to me, I'd drop dead. Amen. My body would have to bow because God's the authority. He hasn't said that yet, so I'm still living. Thank you, Lord. And give success to your service today. We want to have success. We want to see people. You know what? When it comes to the kingdom of God and what God wants to do, I want us to be successful in getting men and women, boys and girls saved for the gospel. I want to get men and women, boys and girls not only just saved, but I want them to live the gospel. I want them to live the Christian life. I want them to be rooted and grounded and know everything about God and about Christ so that they can go out of here and be productive Christian citizens, people for God. 
Brother Lammer said in it. Bloom where you're planted. All right? You're at Aristy. You're a Christian. Bloom right there. You're at UPS driving a truck. Bloom right where you're at. You're at home as a housewife. People come by your house. You say, I have nobody I know. Yeah, you do. They're passing your house all the time. You got neighbors who need to know Jesus. You got people across the street that need to know Jesus. People moving in our neighborhoods. We don't do like we used to do. Hey, good seeing you. How are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. You, do you go to church? By, do you happen to go to any place of worship? No. Well, you know what? I got a place you could come. Follow me. I'll come pick you up. You need a ride? Yeah, sure. I'll pick you up. Amen? He says, give success to your servants and grant him mercy. What's he talking about? He says, guess what? The walls, the city is ruined. I'm serving next to Artaxerxes, the king. Grant success to your servant. What do you need? What do you, God can say, what do you need, Nehemiah? I need that when I present my case to the king, that you'll turn the king's heart, whithersoever he will, that, number one, he'll allow me to go to the city to take care of kingdom business. And not only that, but you're going to use this king to help supply me with some of the very materials that I need to rebuild the wall. Grant him mercy in the sight of this man. This man is talking about the king. And then he just says what I said at the very beginning. And I was a cupbearer to the king. I'm just an ordinary guy. I'm not a prophet. I'm not a priest. I'm not a preacher. I'm not an elder. I'm not a deacon. I'm just an ordinary, plain old, plain old dude. I just want to be used by you. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Nehemiah 8, 12, and 17. Some of us have been weeping for a long time. But know this, joy, joy, unspeakable joy comes in the morning. The book of Nehemiah starts with affliction, but it closes with great joy. I close with this. Our tears, our tears, the water that comes out of, are the seeds of providence that God has planted on our path. And without our tears, those seeds could never grow and produce fruit. God uses the tears to water that he has placed you in so that he can produce fruit in you and I. Amen? Man, I read this and I thought, what a powerful prayer of Nehemiah. I didn't see all this when I went through it the first time. But I see it now. I'm like, oh, my God, Nehemiah got some good stuff in here. Amen? Father, thank you for your word. Bless us. May you rise and raise up some Nehemiahs here at Cornerstone. Somebody says, I'm just an ordinary person. I'm just a regular old member. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things for his kingdom. God uses a few people that will give sacrificially and give of their time and their talent and their substance. God could use a few people to turn this world upside down. God used 12 unlearned, uneducated, not seminary trained, not college graduates, 
but 12 ordinary fishermen to become fishers of men to turn this world upside down that it might be right side up. May we be used by you to be the fishermen of men here in Wilmington, here in the state of Ohio, here throughout the United States, and even throughout the world. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.